Are You Just Watching is supported by our dearly loved listeners. Special thanks to Tim Martin, Craig Hardy, and Richard French for their monthly support. To help support Are You Just Watching, please go to patreon.com slash areyoujustwatching. Just watching episode 57, Risen. Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm Eve Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. And we don't usually do movies that are from a Christian worldview anyway. <laughs> but um, this movie, I've been actually really, really wanting to see since I saw previews for it a long time ago. I think I saw previews for it almost a year ago. Yeah, I I think that's the first time I saw a preview. I definitely saw a preview for Risen when we did, um, oh, what was the one about the guy who stole from the pharmaceutical company? Oh, yeah, uh, Pursuit of Happiness. Yes. No, 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 no. The the Christian movie. Oh, oh. Uh, um, War Room. War Room, yeah. Yeah, Def- I definitely remember a preview in War Room. Yeah, that that um that would had all the Christian previews any Christian movie previews. And the really weird thing is I don't know about in your theater, but when I went to see Risen, it was all Christian movie previews. It was it was for us too. Uh, and they just they, went on and on and on. It's like I didn't know they were making that many Christian yeah, movies. They never have a shortage of previews. <laughs> no. I I did like the look of the Melissa Joan Hart one. Uh, I've never seen the the first one in that series, so. Oh, the um God's Not Dead. Yeah. Yeah, the second one. Yeah, the the women that I went to see Risen with, they were both real excited about The God's Not Dead. The one of them hadn't seen the first one, and I've only recently seen the first one. I'll have to watch it now. Yeah. That's we're we're fans of Melissa Joan Hart in this house, so <clears throat> that that lends it strangely <laughs> some star power. Yeah. Yeah, there 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 looked like there were some good movies coming up, though some of them, I, I even leaned over to my friends while we were watching the previews. And I'm like, that's not one I'd see in the theater, but I would watch it on DVD. You know, there were a few of those. <laughs> yeah. But... When it comes on demand, I might pick it up. <laughs> yeah. When it's on Netflix, I'll watch it. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about all of those no. <laughs> movies. We're here to talk about the one we actually did see in the theater after an hour's worth of previews. Um, <laughs> maybe I'm exaggerating just a little bit. Uh, Not by much. (laughs) Now, the music in Risen is by composer named Roque Banos. Uh, It actually was really a good good score. It it really filled the um, atmosphere of the of the movie, and it um, it was kind of eerie in places. I think it it was just one of those soundtracks that you don't really pay attention to, but adds dimension to the to the movie. They did it right. And so we'll listen to a bit of it here before we continue our discussion.
Now, we wanted to first deal with before we even talked about what we liked and did not like about the movie, because obviously we want to do some non-spoiler um, portions before we like completely blow the movie. Um, the idea of non-spoilers about the gospel. Yeah. It <laughs> yeah. me a little odd. Yeah. Well, uh, if, if, you, if you've read your gospel, if you're read up on the resurrection of Christ, then you probably know what's going to happen in this movie, but we won't <laughs> spoil it for you for a few minutes. We wanted to deal just a little bit with some of the controversy dealing with this movie. And surprisingly enough, a lot of it is, well, I should say not surprising. A lot of it is yeah. from the Christian community. Yeah, I was actually surprised. Um, I, I'm not as much into the Christian media scene as I suspect you are. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, you've actually introduced me to uh, quite a few of the, of the names in that, uh, in that scene. And I was surprised when I read the uh, the blog that you linked to me, and I'll, I'll put in the show notes, that there is actually a lot of concern and complaints from uh, Christian circles about both the accuracy of the movie and whether or not it's uh, blasphemous, mm-hmm. which I found mind-boggling <laughs> it it didn't surprise me in the least and it's just because i've been around like you said i've i've kind of followed christian movie making for quite some years and i remember uh, many years ago when they brought out the the true story about the uh, missionaries that were killed in ecuador um the end of the spear that there were a lot of people that complained about that movie even though it was a true story told from the point of view of somebody who was actually there not at the actual slaughter but the son of one of the of the missionaries that was slaughtered and so it was fairly accurate to the story but people complained because they didn't feel like the gospel had been presented blatantly hmm. enough it was in the movie it was just very simplified and for for the sake of reaching out to these uh, unreached peoples who needed to know Jesus. And and I thought that the, the blog you're talking about is by Tim Chafee. Um, he's actually a, a person uh, that I know really well personally. Um, but he um, he's really into apologetics and, and really dealing. And, and his specialty is actually the resurrection. He talks about it a lot. And so for him to come out with a blog post knocking all these people who are knocking the movie down, <laughs> it's really quite fun because he's like, listen, this movie was good. It had good stuff in it. And yeah, there were a couple things that might have been not as good as you wanted to be. But hey, it what they did, they did well. And the little things are little things. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. And for listeners who may not have seen the movie or heard anything about it yet, uh, the core of the movie centers around a Roman tribune who is tasked by Pontius Pilate to recover the, I'm putting air, air quotes here, stolen corpse of Christ, of G, of Yeshua. <clears throat> and a, a good, you know, two thirds of the movie is uh, a really like great said in his blog, like detectives. <laughs> yeah. Detective story. Exactly. It was really interesting with the, with the interviews and everything. And you know what I thought was very, it was just such a unique perspective. We've had so many versions of the story of Christ, even done for the big screen. Um, this was such a unique perspective on on seeing Christ on the cross. I mean, 
by the time we get to him, and this isn't much of a spoiler because it's the very beginning of the movie, he's already dead by the time the Tribune gets to the crucifixion scene. So yep. we don't see any of the classic things that everybody expects to see in a Jesus movie. The hero is dead in the opening scene. Yeah, <laughs> or the, a couple scenes in. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, uh, the, it, it was just a, a very fascinating perspective. Um and I, I don't, I really honestly, you know, I'm hypercritical. You know me, I'm very critical on a lot of things. And mm. I, I walk, I sat through the entire oh, I movie. Disa- I agreed with that too fast. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I am hypercritical. I know that. I, I get in arguments on Facebook all the time, but um, it's, it's just one of those things that if you're looking for stuff wrong, you will find it, but that, yeah. that it doesn't necessarily mean that the movie is not worth watching. Um, now there were... There were a couple different areas where these complaints were being levied. Uh, one of them, which I thought was uh, total bunk, is historical accuracy. Mm. And I, I'm like, okay, unless somebody can show me, you know, Super 8 video of uh, 30 AD, mm-hmm. then uh, I'm going to give them a, a whole bunch of creative license here. Right. Um, and now the two other areas that were, uh, complaints was if it doesn't stay true to scripture. And I think Tim did a great job in his blog, uh, backing up that there is nothing in the movie that violates scripture anywhere Mm -hmm. with, uh, some close exceptions. Not with, with, without, you know, severe I guess yes, it's not exactly. blasphemy. Let's put it that yeah, way. N- yeah, nothing that directly goes against scripture. Right. And the other one was uh, actually in reference to Revelations uh, 22, 18, and 19, uh, where John closes the book of Revelations. I warn any everyone who reads the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and the holy city, which are described in this book. Now, this is a valid concern because it, the Bible is uh, the breathed word of God, and mm-hmm. we need to protect that as best we can. Right. But Risen does not present itself as script. Sure. No, it doesn't. It's not presenting itself. I mean, the whole the whole story of the Tribune and the search for the for the body and all of that is is pure fiction based on yeah. what we know probably happened historically from the Roman point of view. And exactly. it's not claiming to be scripture. And even where it presents Jesus, um, we know from watching it that we're that we're talking about scenes that are not depicted in the Bible. So we're not adding to the Bible. We're just filling in what could have happened. Yeah. Yeah. You feel filling out, adding color Mm -hmm. again. uh, And like I said, I'll put uh, Tim's blog in the show notes, but I think he did an excellent job in there. um, And, and laying out. And we're discussing this in our non-spoiler section, but I will warn you that his blog post does contain spoilers. Oh yes. If you're, if you're wanting to know how the movie is like, we will also post his uh, non-spoiler review of the movie 
as well as the blog post that we're specifically talking about. Mm-hmm. So we we don't want to run the movie for you until we're ready to run the movie for you and you're warned. <laughs> and as always, we will also put a link to the uh, to the plugged in mm-hmm. uh, focus on the family review as well, which uh, was a very good write up. Mm-hmm. So we'll have lots of links in this one. Yes, uh, we'll we'll just do a, a show notes full of links. That'll speed up <laughs> things. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I'm a little wordy. <laughs> All right, so from now on, I won't guarantee that we will not give something away in the movie, but as I have pointed out, if you are familiar with the life of Christ and his crucifixion and resurrection, we probably are not going to tell you anything that you didn't already know. Yeah. The uh, the real joy and discovery for uh, Bible believers in this is how the story is told. Right. And uh, like we mentioned before, it really is, uh, for a good portion of it, it's a detective story, and for the rest of it, it's a redemption story. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, Joseph Finnes, is that how you say his name? I don't know. <laughs> the lead the lead actor, uh, Joseph F., uh, really does a, uh, a really admirable job as uh, the Tribune mm-hmm. Clavius. Yes. And uh, there's parts I, of this movie I almost felt like I was what, going back to like the movie Gladiator or something like that. <laughs> where you, I mean, probably not quite as high end, but almost feeling you know that same kind of realistic setting. And I really liked the opening scene. In fact, the the one lady that one of the ladies that I went to see the movie with, um, she was she came out of the movie saying that she was disappointed that there weren't more fight scenes because she loved the scene at the beginning. <laughs> it was done well, wasn't it? Yes, it was very well done. You know, I. You mentioned that you mentioned the uh, the quality might not have been as much as uh, Gladiator, but mm-hmm. I really i I didn't notice any problems. Well, it, 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 nothing it, stood out to me. Well, the, 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 I guess the one point would be this would be your, the one point that you could could pull between the two is that Gladiator was a bloodier movie. Oh yes. So this movie was set. I mean, it it had some pretty horrible things in it, but it was it was done tastefully. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> about as tastefully as you could do it. The the, the time, uh, you know, the third decade uh, of this millennia, it was a very violent time. It it was a, a time of uh, Jewish rebellion against Rome, and they actually introduced that in the monologue. They're telling you about. Yeah. About all of that, the, the beginning of the movie, they tell you, you know, kind of set you into the setting and the time and the way people were rebelling. And um, and so from the get go in the movie, you're pulled right into that. And that's why I think they open with that fight scene, because it it really pulls you into the whole tension that's going on between the Hebrews and the Romans. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, as I had studied the Bible as an adult, I um came to understand how much Ju- Judas Iscariot was uh thought to be um much more in that rebel vein mm-hmm. and i've heard uh or i've read a theory that w- the reason that they think uh, or one of the reasons that they think he betrayed Christ was because Christ did not come with a sword mm-hmm. and uh <clears throat> that got me into reading stories about uh I don't know if you remember the the mini series Masada Mm-mm. which is the story of the Jewish rebellion in around 70 uh AD mm-hmm. uh, when they which fled. I, 
the time that they uh, they tore down the temple. Right. They fled Jerusalem. Right. Cause yeah. They, and they, completely they hung out on this big yeah. plateau. Yeah. And uh, I mean, violence is just everywhere. And the opening scene, which is uh, Barabbas, uh, I didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't realize when I was watching the movie, but uh, the article mentioned that it's actually Barabbas in there. Mm-hmm. I had uh, no. In fact, that was that was one of the puzzles that as soon as the movie started and they said Barabbas and and then they killed him. And I was like, wait a minute, Barabbas was arrested and released <laughs> in the place of Christ. And then and then the next thing you see was you know him being sent to oh well we crucified the Nazarene and I'm like okay I see what they've done that yeah. there would have been enough time for Barabbas to have already been released and already rebelled right because it would have, it would have been three days uh, no 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 not, no, 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 no no not three days but it, it, he would have been probably released like maybe the day before right the crucifixion because they that he went through the scourging and all that other stuff yeah. before he carried the cross and um. And I like the point that Tim made that it could very well have been um, that uh, that Barabbas that they followed Barabbas when he was released to see where he would go, mm-hmm. and that would have caused the conflict that we saw at the beginning of the movie. Take it advantage. Have, yeah. Well, it would put have, a tail on him. Yeah. <laughs> so it wouldn't have taken that much time for him to get in trouble because that he was a murderer. That was why he was in prison to begin with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was <sighs> an interesting yeah. way to yeah. start the movie. <laughs> It's you know that actually leads into uh, one of the things I really enjoyed about uh, Risen, aside from the obvious uh, uh, affirmation of the fa- of my faith, mm-hmm. um, was that there were a lot of historic little historical things in there that when I went to look it up afterwards mm-hmm. was accurate, mm-hmm. uh, like the. Um, the legion that uh, Tribune Clavius was in charge of, uh, Legion Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember that it had the uh, the <clears throat> ferret uh, on the banner underneath the the symbol of the lion. Hmm. I wasn't paying attention that closely. <laughs> <laughs> well, Trust a man like you to see that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> toy soldiers. <laughs> what yeah. can I say? <laughs> Um, it turns out that that legion actually was in Judea, um, and the the Ferret was part of Ferentis, which means of the Sea Strait. And this was a famous legion because they had um, uh, something like forty years earlier they had performed so admirably at the Battle of. Nalakis off the coast of Sicily mm-hmm. that uh, Rome gave them a special um, nomenclature. Hmm. So this was an awarded legion. I mean, that this legion was among the best in Rome, in all of the Roman Empire. Which would explain uh, Clavius's uh, ambitions. Yeah. Which are, are you know, because there was that whole um, discussion between him and Pilate about what do you want? And... Uh. And that that it that was another thing that really reminded me of uh, the gladiator was that it was this like the the constant thing that always bugged um, Roman officers that <laughs> they just wanted a place <laughs> in the country and um, peace. So that- uh, it's, it, you know I think that's a I think that's a pretty common theme in almost any career military uh, story. Mm-hmm. Um, even even my 
uh, real life buddy who just retired after 23 years in the army. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> he he commented he's sort of glad to be getting away from that. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to find where it was in my notes that I had. Um, oh, yeah. He says uh, he had told Pilot that he didn't want to wear the mantle that Pilot was wearing. Yeah. And so Pilot asked him, well, what do you want? And and, you know, obviously... <laughs> These are probably not word for word, but I tried to get down as much as I could. He said, position, power, wealth, a good family, a place in the country, and the end of, I can't remember whether he said dying or death, the end of something like that. I, I thought it was no more death or no something more death like that. No more death or something like that, yes. Yeah, that- and then he finished with the word peace. Right. And then Pilate says, all that for peace? Is there no other way? And... And I got to th- – th- this is what is so amazing about this movie is that it drives home a point so subtly that at the end you you don't realize until you kind of look back over the whole movie that they drove the point home in pretty much every scene. <laughs> but it was done very subtly. And and it was that that there is another way and that it's a transforming, a totally different way um, than anything that, that you've ever had before. And there were so many characters that said it in some way, shape, or form that knowing Christ changes everything. Yeah, Bartholomew and and uh, Simon both did. Mm-hmm. And and that was really kind of the end end of the movie too. Is like because he's asked if he believes, and he says, "I believe, and I can never be the same." And it's I actually <clears throat> I let's get back to that line because I've I've got a, a discussion I want to center around. <laughs> okay, but yeah the. The, and the scene with Pilate where Pilate asks, is there no other way? He's talking – he's drawing that whole conclusion where this is a man, a soldier who's involved with death and war and, and he prays to the god Mars who is the exactly. god of war. That is – his whole life is war and the only thing he wants is a place in, in the country and peace. The end of dying. The end of yeah. all of this death that just – he's just soaked in blood in everything he does. That's his life. And I think he made some comment. I think it was to his aide at some point. It's like you do it all and then you get a night's rest and then you do it all again. It's just like mm-hmm. this complete repetition of death and dying and killing and and uh, and he's steeped and they, in it. They actually uh, – they showed that really well in the film with the, uh, the <laughs> pilot's page. mm um, there's this one Roman, uh, centurion, not centurion, but Roman legionnaire who shows up like three or four times in, in the, the film in front of the main character, Clavius. And he has just one line, Tribune, Pilate summons you. Yes. Yes. It got to the point where that you, you saw him show up and you were like, we were mouthing the words with him yeah, in the field. We were too. <laughs> and you could just feel like the whole, oh, again. <sighs> and the look on the actor's face, uh, Finnis's face was, uh, by the end, it was it was getting really, really good. <laughs> and, and But, you know, this guy is a guy who lives for the glory of Rome and fighting is what he does. It, mm-hmm. Uh, they actually, I liked how they presented the polythe- polytheism of Rome in this. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas uh, at one point, Pilate asks, uh, I think Pilate asks Clavius who he prays to, doesn't he? Yeah, that was, I think it was almost that was the in beginning. the bass scene, maybe? Uh, 
I, yeah, and he said he prayed to he he prayed to Mars, and yeah. but then what I thought you know right outside his office there was the little altar with the little Mars statue in it, and um, I really loved the scene where after all of this attempts to find Jesus's body. Um, Yeshua's body he's he's getting really frustrated and he <laughs> stops at this little altar where he normally prays to Mars and he says Yahweh the God of the Hebrews I pray that I would find success in it and then he he does it's it's the Roman way of praying you know he like yeah. offers these things if Put, I succeed, down a little you, I money give you all of this stuff you know yep. <laughs> and so he doesn't even know how to pray to the to Yahweh he just knows only how to pray to Mars. And so he offers the same thing to Yahweh that he would offer to Mars. And uh, I just thought that was interesting that he just gave up talking yeah. to Mars. Well, Mars isn't helping me. Let's see if Yahweh will do something. But that's the way they, that is the way that they saw it as mm-hmm. polytheists was, you know, which God is going to help us the most here. Right. Well, we'll uh, pray to the one that's going to work. <laughs> there's a, there's a scene where they're writing, they're uh, where Clavius and Lucius uh, are riding out to the cru- site of the crucifixion, mm-hmm. and there's an earthquake, which we know from uh, the gospel accounts yeah. is the time that Jesus died. Right. Time that Jesus died. The right? earthquake and the darkness. And right. the darkness. It was as soon as he said it is finished, and he gave up the ghost, and there was a renting of the curtain in the temple, mm-hmm. and the earth shook, and the sky went dark as if night in the middle of the day. Yeah. So those were the the three things that happened at the very moment that Jesus died, which is our our warning that by the time we get to the cross in the movie, he's going to already be dead. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, there's this little exchange between the two where, um, where Lucius I think says Poseidon must be angry, and uh, and uh, see, Clavius heard... responds, "Well, some god is. Yeah, some god is. Yeah." somebody's angry yeah i had written that some of that down too i didn't i missed the which god he mentioned yeah well it's uh i I did a little bit of research on uh the legion 10 and it turns out that poseidon was the uh, i'm not sure how to put it the sponsor of the (laughs) legion yeah um but i mean they were called the legion 10 the sea straight so that sort of makes sense mm-hmm, right because and i vaguely remember that sea. earthquakes are actually attributed to poseidon and not to uh not to a uh an earthbound huh. or an earth-based god has something to do with uh with the ocean and the the power of the ocean mm-hmm. it's been a long time since i've looked at my roman mythology <laughs> Yeah, it's been college for me. I don't dwell on that stuff. So, but yeah, it, it it was. I thought they did a very good job, like you said, of presenting the the Roman way of doing religion, and yeah, and it and it was very true to Clavius's character, and and you see, you go through this journey with him because it, you know, step one was no longer praying to Mars, mm-hmm. but he was still praying in the Roman way because he had no clue. I mean, he just he had not. He didn't really understand. And when he starts meeting Jesus's followers, he thinks they're crazy because of their. Well, Bartholomew certainly came across that way. And so did Mary. Um, yeah. Magdalene. Uh, Magdalene. Yeah. She she uh, he, he she was the first that they got their hands on. And, and he was like, no, nah, just let her go. She's crazy. <laughs> well, she's sitting staring out the window. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, and and I think I think she's the one that told him it's like if you knew him you would understand you know it, it's it's you know just quit 
bugging me about this because you know you just have yeah. to understand you just have to know him so and i love i don't remember i think it was it i think it was mary that he says i can have these things pulled out of you but if you tell me now i'll set you free and mm-hmm. her response was i'm already free yeah and i really loved all of the followers that we saw questioned in these interviews. And I was very pleased that they didn't show Clavius getting rough with any of them. He'd let them yep. speak the truth and then let them go. And yeah. that was a true blessing because <laughs> we'd well, already they, seen they were, enough torture. <laughs> they they did a great job of establishing Clavius as, uh, as a just person. Right. And, um, I mean, even his dealings with the two... Uh, the two guards with the two guards, the guards who, who fell asleep. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a that was a sentence of death, right? And they went and uh, they took sanctuary in the in the Jewish temple, and that's biblical that they were not killed for it. And that right. was that is actually one of the historical indications from the Bible that Jesus really was resurrected because that if if his body had been stolen, the guards most definitely would have been put to death. Mm-hmm. And and the fact that the Romans withheld that punishment meant something really funny was going on right there because there yeah. was there was no mercy on that, and and so that's actually one of the things that they hold up as a, a historical indication that you know this this is all true. The Romans would the Roman guards would have been put to death if they could have at all proved that Jesus's body had been stolen. I am a little curious as to why they put the whole bit in about. Uh, uh, Clavius not sending the meal and the idea that the Roman guards had been up for two days straight and uh, the fact that they had some spirits with them in a in a wineskin. Mm-hmm. Um, was it just to add flavor or was there something else that they were trying to communicate, do you think? I don't know. I know that uh, Tim Chafee dealt with some of that. Um in his blog, because that was actually one of the things that that people had problems with, um, that that there weren't enough guards at the tomb. Because yeah. in the Bible, it says there were many guards. It, it was all, it was like half a, yeah, like a it, number it, of guards. Yeah, the movie only shows two, but it says some of the guards went into the city to report. Some is more than one, but then that meant some guards were left behind. So there had to have been more than two. Mm-hmm. But we think. I mean, I don't know why they chose to only show two guards and and do that whole story i I honestly don't think the romans were lax in any way i think they guarded that tomb very seriously yeah and it to me um i don't know that that really added anything to the movie but it didn't it gave it gave us some interesting characters to follow almost like they were almost like um a little bit of comedy relief (laughs) um and i think bartholomew was also almost a little bit of comedy relief yeah um you have it's such a serious movie and this dealing with such a serious topic that you have to find some ways to sneak in some of that lighthearted stuff to give you a break while you're watching yeah uh, you know, on the on the plus side, uh, by leaving it with only two guards, they were able to establish a, a sort of sympathy for the guards uh, with the viewer. Mm-hmm. And I think if they had had, you know, a dozen guards out there, you would not have been able to generate that same 
uh, level of, oh, I care what happens to the guards. Yeah. And and the other thing that Tim points out is that it, it gives one of the guards one of the best dramatic scenes in the movie is when in Clavius... The tavern. Right. When Clavius tracks down one of them, finally gets him to tell the truth about what really happened. And he tries to describe the resurrection. And that's just so... I mean, can you even wrap your mind around what that would have been like to to witness and he, he basically said the sun rose in the tomb mm-hmm. and that he had never witnessed a moment. So and then he couldn't find any words for it, <laughs> you know, it's, I in my in my notes in the theater, I actually wrote that he seemed almost a little autistic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He was so uh, besotted. Right. You know. Yeah. And, and the fact that I thought they did the really good. They did it really well with showing that both of these soldiers have been well coached by the priests in the temple, um, yep. because they gave exactly word for word the same story. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's almost a little tropish, you know, using mm-hmm. the exact same adjectives and mm-hmm. adverbs. Yeah, but I won't hold it against them. Yeah, well, I think they did that on purpose. I mean, it, it you know, and and who knows that we obviously weren't there to hear the guards' report, but I suspect yeah. that they were coached by by the the priest because the priest desperately wanted it to be true and so they they told the guards what to say and when you're told what to say a lot of times that's the only way you can do it is the way you were told to say it and that's one of the ways that you find people who lie and and catch them in bad in coach stories is because they tell them too much the same yeah tell the exact same story and something's wrong right because everybody has a slightly different way of telling what happened and slightly different perspectives. So no two people are going to say exactly. That's actually why the Gospels are different. The, the mm-hmm. four Gospels of Christ be, are different because they are told b- from different perspectives. Right. Different people seeing them. Different see, people having different emphasis on what they saw. It doesn't make what they saw any less true than someone else's account. It just means they saw it differently. Yeah. um, Are you familiar with the book, uh, The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, It it actually it discusses the the importance of uh, testimony differing in there as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Does a really good job with that. I'll throw a link in the uh, in the show notes. Yeah, that's actually a very important book. So, yeah, definitely link to that. There's really no like main topic that we want to discuss. We're just kind of like skipping around in the movie of what we thought was very interesting. What we haven't talked about yet is the appearance of Jesus in the movie because mm. he does appear and we do see him. And the first time we see him is when the disciples see him, when Thomas sees him. And uh, I just it really surprised me because I wasn't sure whether they were going to really show him to us. I I I was in the same boat. I expected them to allude to him being in the general vicinity mm-hmm. but not actually show him right and so it was a, and it almost took me a minute if it hadn't been for clavius's flashback to him on the cross i might not have even have recognized that it was jesus because they, they that first scene where Cla- clavius sees mm-hmm. jesus he he has that flashback oh this is the same guy and yeah. And I, because I, the only time we had seen the actor who was portraying Jesus up until that point was his corpse on, on the cross. Yeah, in in my notes during that scene, I actually wrote, "Why linger on Jesus's face?" <laughs> and lo and behold, you linger so that you know that he's real, really resurrected. Right, and it's um, it. I think they did a very good job. I mean, it's always you always have to be so careful when you're portraying Christ, and it's yeah, hard to do because absolutely. we don't know what he looked like. 
Um, we know he was Jewish, so we could basically, you know, do a generic Jewish person. But yeah, I appreciate they didn't do the brown hair, blue eyes, uh, <laughs> pale skinned, obviously North American. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think they would have gone there. I don't I, try. They were too, too accurate to the setting to, to go that yes. direction. But um, but yeah, I think they 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 did a pretty good job. I mean, obviously, you're never going to see no one's going to portray Jesus the way you expect him to be in your mind. Um, mm-hmm. And and you're conscious the whole time that you're watching the movie. At least I was being a Christian. This isn't really Jesus. Um, right. And and I think that kind of knocks down one of the critiques that Tim talked about, of, you know, portraying a graven image of Jesus. I know there's a yeah. lot of people, there's certain sects of Christianity that are adamantly against any picturing Jesus in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And, and and there are sects which go to the opposite extreme, like uh, Greek Orthodox and Roman Orthodox, where they have the the whole thing with the icons. Yes, they and then they almost worship the pictures, which I think is the reason why sects that are so against picturing people in in the scripture, um, especially Jesus. Um, are so much against it because of the extreme on the other end where they actually worship a picture of Mary or Jesus or, you know, and that, and you know, that that's care. You know, I, I understand the care that take with, take with that. Um, at the same time, I think they, that this movie was not saying, and I felt conscious of that as I was watching the movie, this is a portrayal of Jesus. This is not the real Jesus. And I think they tread that line very well. Yeah, it, it, they did that in a number of places where they referenced the source material without trying to be the source material. Mm-hmm, right. Uh, one thing that one thing that stood out to me was, um, and, and I didn't catch it until you know maybe fifteen minutes after the scene, uh, where Clavius comes and talks to the centurion at the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't occur to me the way that that centurion was portrayed in this film was so consistent with the three places in the the synoptic gospels Mm -hmm. that the the centurion is specifically referenced as well as as saying, surely this is this is the son of God, right? He was converted Uh, at the foot of the cross. He was converted. He became a Christian. And I think it was very telling that through the rest of the scene, uh, Clavius keeps asking the soldiers, where's your centurion? And everybody can't find him. Nobody knows where he is. He's just mm-hmm. gone. And he left. He he did basically what Clavius ends up doing. He abandons his post. He he just walks away from his life with Rome to follow Christ. Which is what we're told we have to do. Right. And it's not, they don't make a real big deal about it. But you hear, I mean, it's like several questions in which, where's your centurion? We don't know. Mm-hmm. Nobody's seen him. He's not himself. So he, he, he's gone. And you see him at the foot of the cross. You see him make that confession statement. Surely this was the son of God. Yeah. And then he's gone. Yeah. It's uh, it just it goes to show that Risen did a good job of walking what I would consider to be a very thin line between uh, trying to be the source and trying to not be the source portray the where, source accurately yeah yeah <laughs> without taking the place of the source i understand what you're saying yeah and and then we see jesus 
that this was one of the spoilers I didn't want to give away until we were in the non-spoiler section is that we do see Jesus multiple times. And a lot of the times that we see him are times that are actually portrayed in the scripture, like where he comes up and, and while they're fishing. And <laughs> yeah, I, love I love that, that fishing scene. scene. Yeah, that, that was yeah. really great because you show the fact that these these are men, they fish for a living, and they're hungry. And they come up to the Sea of Galilee, and they're not exactly sure when Christ is going to meet them there. They they think that's where he's going to meet them next. And they're hungry, and it's the right time of day to go fishing, and there's a boat there. So, hey, let's all go fishing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this has always been one of my favorite gospel scenes, too. Mm-hmm. And they did they did it so perfectly with yes. Risen. Yes, and I love the way that, you know, they're close enough to shore, and they see this person walking along the shore, and, and he says, well, any luck at fishing? And they're like, no. And he says, well, try the right side, you know. <laughs> and it, and it, and it's, you see kind of Peter kind of going like, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's the Lord. <laughs> yeah, there was a there was a specific dawning on his face. He went <laughs> from, what does this idiot know about fishing all the way to, Let's, oh. Everybody wake up. We got to try the other side of the boat. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, that was, and then the fish almost pulled the boat over, just like they say in scripture, you know, that they, that they, they all, the nets were full to breaking. Mm-hmm. Um, just a, a miracle like that. And so, yeah, I just, you know, I just really like the way that they portrayed scenes that I've really never seen done because usually most stories stop with the crucifixion. They might, you know, like even the Passion of the Christ, which was all about the crucifixion. They barely, just barely tapped on the resurrection at the end. Yeah. Um, I just love the way the story so focuses on the appearance of Jesus to the people who believed in him after his resurrection and then the ascension at the end. I like that they went all the way to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The uh, it it's while I understand the complaint, um, uh, the same complaint they had about the what was the spear one that you mentioned earlier, where it doesn't present the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's Tim mentioned in his blog post that uh, one of the complaints is it it never lays out that Christ died for your sins. A, a and, Western formula for the gospel message. Uh, it's I I appreciate that uh, there are people who have concerns about that, but that is our that's our understanding after two thousand years of Bible study, mm-hmm. and it's our job as Christians to use this movie as a springboard for discussion to not only talk about what the movie shows, but also how it affects each and every life individually. Mm -hmm. And our sinful nature is a big part of that. Um, And it's a great place to start talking about Risen. Right. I did want to, uh, I wanted to to say that I was really happy with the acting overall Mm -hmm. in in the film. I I already mentioned uh, Joseph Finnis did a a really admirable job as, as the Tribune Clavius. Uh, very uh, portrayed it as as a very just and um, honest character who was just trying to do his job. Um, Tom Felton, famous for playing the role of uh, Draco Malfoy from the Harry Potter series, played Lucius, which as a uh, geek, I have to point out, was the name of his father's character in Harry Potter. Um, he did very uh, Roman I, name, by the way. Yeah, very. Uh, I 
honestly, I had completely forgotten that this was uh, the same actor who played Draco Malfoy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene near the end where uh, Clavius has already uh, deserted, essentially, and is confronted by Lucius. And uh, that scene uh, was played out very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the acting was was nice and strong in it. And uh, it also, I mean, the the acting by the actress um, who played uh, Mary Magdalene and mm-hmm. Bartholomew, and particularly, I I was particularly fond of how they portrayed Peter. Right. Um, I I thought all nice, solid jobs that really made you feel like these were real people mm-hmm. who uh, you could sit down and have a drink with. Right. I I did speaking of Peter. I like the way Jesus took him aside to have that famous conversation of you know, do you love me? Um, because of the of the his denials that he had done, mm-hmm. and I thought they did that well. It wasn't word for word the way it was in scripture, but I I right. thought they did it very very well. The fact that well, he they, just kind of walked aside with him while the others were still following. Yeah, they they walk off during the what would be the dialogue of feed my lambs, right? right? Mm-hmm. Well, he he doesn't in the scripture, if I remember right, it's each time he says, Peter, do you love me? And he would say, yes, I love you, Lord. And he would oh, yeah, feed yeah. my sheep and mm-hmm. feed my lamb. So it, there, that response was after each of the questions, um, though that might be different in the different gospel accounts. I'm not I need to go back and look because I know that the one gospel account that I'm thinking of it. I think there was one that only mentioned that twice and there was one that said it three times. So it, yeah, it just depends on which gospel you're looking at. But, and, and I think that Tim kind of alluded to the fact that the words that they have Jesus speaking are not exactly um, what scripture says that he said. Right. At any particular point, but he doesn't say they, they kind of dealt with that by having Jesus say as little as possible so that you yeah. didn't have to worry too much about whether you were hearing accurate words out of his mouth. Well, I I don't I don't want to give away, you know, life spoilers for our listeners, mm-hmm. but it's very unlikely that Jesus spoke English. Yes, exactly. Well, and that that was the other point that I wanted to make was that uh, I I saw Passion of the Christ and it was very difficult to watch because it was all done in what they would assume was authentic language and you had to read the subtitles. Mm-hmm. And I I think it both helped because the movie was so hard to watch um, that being able to, to look down and read the dialogue possibly helped you get out of the, the scene a little bit um, yeah. because I've only seen the movie once and it was extraordinarily hard to watch. I, um, I can't, I have not seen it and I don't think I can watch it. <laughs> Um, this movie is not as hard to watch, and but I did know I was kind of thinking, I I felt myself thinking almost from the beginning that the English, um, didn't f- made it feel less authentic because nobody even had correct accents. So it, I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, Bartholomew was British. Yeah, <laughs> so the the accents I think kind of detracted a little bit. I mean, if you're going to speak English, at least maybe hippie. Yeah, yeah, I don't know it. I, I I see that they didn't do a lot of they didn't worry about accents they didn't worry about right. any of that and so they just kind of let the characters or the actors portray the characters honestly as they would say the lines mm-hmm. and and so that also meant that there was a lot of um, there was a lot of just basic English you know slang and that kind of stuff in the <laughs> movie um, 
that <laughs> would not be authentic to the time period. So that that was like the one jarring thing to me in the movie is like you go do so much trouble to make it feel authentic. But then everybody's talking like, you know, like normal Americans, you know. But, you know, I'm a, I'm it, we should be OK with that, though. No, I, and I'm, I, it because... wasn't a huge Negative yeah, it, to me. when the when the disciples are sitting around the the fire talking about the day's fish, it, they're going to be using their equivalent vernacular. colloquial, uh, yeah, equivalent vernacular, and uh, it's the fact that they were using it from our American or uh, uh, Americanized English. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you know it it gives the right feel, particularly for the fellowship of the. Uh, of the the apostles right right and like i said it wasn't a huge that huge of a negative to me it was just yeah. something i noticed and i in and then i got past it and i didn't worry about it the rest of the movie yeah and uh it, it to me it was just i don't know when i watch some some hot uh, somewhat authentic historical movies they at least try to make you feel like you're in that time period by making the i guess the english a little more stilted or something mm-hmm. um or old sounding they didn't do that with this movie it's very i I appreciate that they didn't yeah it's very modern english so you don't you're going to it's not even king james okay (laughs) (laughs) which is obviously going to offend all of the king james only crowd but you know that that's where we are so (laughs) um but yeah i they did put words in jesus mouth he did say things uh in in the movie that were not recorded in scripture so they they go and part of that was because they introduced a character to the resurrection that was not scripturally there. And that was Clavius right. Clavius uh, from pretty much from the moment he sees Jesus when at the same time, Thomas sees him and puts his hands. He see, he sees the, the, the wounds of a crucified person, you know, the, the holes yeah. in the hands, the holes in the feet, um, the, the hole in his side from the spear. Um, he just like Thomas becomes a believer and yeah. he trails them, um, from then on. And so all of that happens from that point on, Clavius is a witness to. And sometimes almost, I really like the fact that he doesn't join up with them right away. He's kind of like staying at a distance and they know he's there. Um, the the scene between him and Peter with the sword. Uh, when, Peter, when Peter sneaks up on him. Yeah, you never sneak yeah. up on a soldier. <laughs> Um, I thought that was great. Yeah, that was great. And then it, and then it becomes kind of like a point of friendship between them that he was marked by yeah. that Peter was marked by Clavius's sword. Um, I'll always remember you. <laughs> it's the the whole character of Clavius really, really serves to to draw the the viewer into the fellowship of believers, right. the body of Christ. This is and, the and, this is uh, the journey of somebody who doesn't believe to the unfor unchangeable position of believing yeah do you know anything about the uh the doctrine of the people who made the movie if they were catholic or protestant or i don't know lds uh or anything like that i strongly suspect they were not lds and i strongly suspect (laughs) they were not catholic i uh, honestly just you think they weren't catholic i do not think they were catholic no okay it's, I was surprised by the by the appearance of the uh, the, the appearance and the Turin. prominence of the Shroud of Turin. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, just based on the way the story was told, I don't think if it had been Catholic, they would have dealt more with Mary 
Um, they oh, would not yes. be able to leave Mary alone. Um, they, the only yeah, time you point. see the Mary, the mother of Christ, is at the crucifixion wailing. And um, you hear Clavius say, can somebody shut that woman up? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, there is, uh, if it had been made by Catholics, they would have dwelt more on, you know, the sainthood of all of these people. Yeah. They did not. And I, I appreciate that they didn't. It did not have that Catholic flair of storytelling. So I. It, so why why do you think they put the whole you know, the elements of the Shroud of Turin in there. Well, you know, I was curious about that, too, because when it came up, it bugged me when I saw it. But I it, I don't know whether you read all the way the end of Tim, Tim's blog. He actually deals yeah, with Yeah, but that. I didn't read the yeah. extension where he talked about the Turin part. Yeah, I, I didn't read that either, but I was kind of surprised to see that, that it didn't bother him and that that he's kind of changed his position on the, the intriguing Shroud of Turin. That was the way mm-hmm. he puts it. Yeah. Ever intriguing <laughs> Shroud of Turin. You know, it didn't bug me enough where I was like, oh, this is like a major strike against the movie. Right. It, it When it popped up, it was like, oh, they're going to deal with the Shroud of Turin. Yeah. Beyond that, I didn't really, they, they didn't overemphasize it. Like Tim said, it was a nod. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was interesting that they not really highlight, but they, they don't shy away from the Shroud of Turin, but they don't talk about anything else. Yeah, and, uh, and that from, may just... From the legendary aspects of it. And like I said, I think that's one of the indications that it was not a Catholic-made movie. Yeah, I don't okay. know anything. I, I do know that this is made by Affirm Films, and they're the same ones who did When the, oh, game, uh, when the game Stands Tall. Yeah. Um. So they've not been known for historical biblical flicks. They're more of modern day. This is real life Christian living stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's always been very Protestant based. I don't okay. know if they have a specific denomination that they toe the line with, but I'm pretty sure they're not Catholic. I'll read up on Tim's write up of the Shroud of Turin, mm-hmm. and I'll be ready to discuss it with any of our listeners who uh, who want to bring it up, maybe on our Facebook page. Yeah, definitely. That would be something we could, could uh, follow up on. What was the other thing you wanted to talk about? So the other thing, <laughs> the very last line of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned it before. Right. And I'm going to repeat the line, but I'm going to say it with no inflection because it's in, it's the inflection, uh, the punctuation that I want to talk about. And um, it, the setup is that the entire framing of the story has been the Tribune telling uh, his story to uh, an innkeeper. The, the guy asks, so do you believe? And Clavius responds, and this again is without any inflection. I believe I will never be the same. Now, when in Tim's blog and in the Plugged In Online review, they both wrote that quote out differently than I had heard it in my head. They wrote it out as, I believe, period, I will never be the same, period. And what I had heard when he said it was, I believe, dot, 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 I will never be the same, period. The reason I wanted to bring this up was because I wanted to get your take on when you heard that line. I heard it as two. What did you? I heard uh, it as two sentences, two declarative sentences. Okay. So I believe, period, declarative, I believe. Right. And then I will never be the same. Right. Okay. That's interesting. I wonder if I'm the only one who who heard it as sort of like a, I don't know, double entendre is a right thing there where it has two meanings. Not only was he saying uh, that 
I believe that I will never be the same. Yeah. But I believe that I will never be the same. Yeah. Right. Um, Um, And I thought it was a very poignant line and very well done. Yeah. Uh, The only reason why I I would say that it was met as two declarative sentences and I would have to go back and watch the movie again to see if I hear the inflection that you're commenting on there is because they've made a point over and over and over again in the movie that knowing Christ changes everything. Yeah. And if they hadn't made that point all over and over again in the movie, then I could see where you would say that that could be a one long sentence. I believe I can never be the same. Yeah. Well, that's actually, it's because of that, that I think that there are the, that, that last line has both meanings. Well, where, where he's not only saying, I believe. Right. Well, I, I kind of disagree simply because the whole point of knowing Christ is believing in him. And if he yeah. said, I believe I can never be the same, then that would not be a declaration that he believed in Christ. Mm-hmm. Because the question was, do you believe all this? That was the question. Do you believe all this? And he said, okay. I believe. I may be uh, ascribing um, a genius to it that <laughs> may uh, not have been uh, the director might listen to this podcast and go, what is that guy smoking? <laughs> Well, it, it's and it's an interesting angle. I don't believe that that was the intention, that that would be all one declarative statement. Yeah. And my whole purpose in saying that is that because of the way people, the way it was phrased over and over again in the movie, that knowing him mm-hmm. changes everything, that, it, yeah. that he had to, it, this was a declaration that, yes, he believed in Christ and that changed everything for him. And yeah. if, if it hadn't been so set up in the movie over and over again in almost every dialogue, um, <laughs> I, I could see your, your point. But I also think that it was meant to be a declaration, I believe Christ. He just mm-hmm. didn't say the Christ part. He just – because the yeah. question was, do I you believe, believe all this? Period. I believe, period. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure that it's that fine of a point, whether it matters either way. But yeah. I, I do believe that – that our salvation comes in confessing Christ. And if you don't, even the demons believe in tremble. Well, yeah, sure. So James says that. So, yeah. So you, so you have to be careful what you say you believe in. And I think in this point, if he had said, I believe I can never be the same, that's not the same thing as saying, I believe in Christ. Okay. All right. I can certainly see where you're going with this. Yeah. Uh, out of curiosity, uh, this is, this is based on a book, right? Yes. Do you know, does it, the character of Clavius, does he go on in other books or anything? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I actually haven't even Just seen curious. the book. Yeah, it would be interesting to, I guess, research the author and see if she has written anything else. But this would be this would be a, a historical fiction series. I think I would enjoy. You know, his sort of like uh, <laughs> sort of like a uh, Pilgrim's Progress of Christ time. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a very unique perspective, and yeah. I'm happy to have seen the movie. It, it was affirming <laughs> from Affirm yep. Films. It was an affirming movie, and I appreciated how well it was done. I appreciated the yeah. acting. That it, there was a good budget involved. That it wasn't a cheapy Christian film. We, you know, they always um, a lot of the biggest things that are always said against Christian films is they're done with a low budget. They're low budget and <laughs> cheap. You know? Oh, they're they're on location filming was spectacular Mm -hmm. i mean even even little stuff like the uh where they did the the tomb scene Mm -hmm. uh really uh just spoke to mediterranean right in the credits i noticed that a bunch of the filming was done in malta too which makes me want to 
visit Malta. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, there's probably a, to some degree they can't go film in the actual Israel because of you know how modernized it's become. Yeah, exactly. And the locations that Christ walked have become such tourist attractions that. Uh, it's really hard probably to to find a good time to film such places and not get modern stuff in the picture. I, I'm really hoping they put all this stuff in the DVD extras. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there'll be something. But yeah, this this was a very good movie. I highly recommend it if people haven't seen it and you've listened to our discussion, even though we've spoiled the movie, um, yep. that you please do go see that and even see it in the theater. Support the film company. We need to support good Christian filming. Um, yeah. If if we want them to keep putting them in the theater, we have to support them by going. Um, so do go see this movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, go see it again if you have. <laughs> yeah. And not only is this a, a great affirmation of our own faith, but it's also a great springboard to discuss it with people who may not be believers or who may need help growing. Right. And the, it is the perspective of an unbeliever who makes the journey of believing in Christ. And so it, it's very valuable in that to see yeah. see it through the eyes of somebody who's learning about why this strange Nazarene is so important. But I think that should conclude our discussion. <laughs> um, I do want to remind everybody to support this podcast on Patreon. We really need more supporters. We have not met our monthly goal yet. So if you want to hear us continue to put on out these podcasts, we really need the affirmation of our of our <laughs> listeners uh, by some month. Some it doesn't even have to be much, you know, a couple dollars a month. It doesn't yeah. have to be a, a massive donation. Um, we just need that that monthly support to keep this podcast going. And you can follow us on Facebook, of course. We want you to uh, like us on Facebook so that you see our posts. Um, we don't always post a lot of stuff on our actual website. That other than our podcast episodes, but we do a lot of more posting in Facebook, you know, things yeah. that we want to. It's sort of hard to keep to keep <laughs> up with all the different social media streams now. Right. But we, we're definitely more on Facebook than anywhere else. Yeah. And uh, you can follow both of us on Twitter. I'm on at E. Franklin. And I'm at Renchepley, R-E-N-C-H-E-P-L-E. Okay. And, and both of these will be in the show notes. And, and every, all of the contact information is show notes. You can, we have a call number that you can call us. You can email us. Just go to the show notes to get all of that. Or just do the easy thing and look us up on Facebook because <laughs> that's where we are. But, yeah, just go ahead and, and do check us out. Do start a conversation. We'd love to know what everybody else thought of this movie. Um, love suggestions for future movies to talk about. And because I don't even know what we're going to do next. So uh. <laughs> we haven't discussed what we're going to do next. So we'll, we'll surprise you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Are You Just Watching? And don't just watch. Are You Just Watching? is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Our opening vocal talent was thanks to Mariah. The theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis. For more great podcasts like this one, visit the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. That's noodle.mx. Noodle.